0: This episode is brought to you by Bolt and Barrel Oil. Bolt and Barrel is a premium synthetic graphene-infused all-purpose lubricant that will outperform anything on the market. The graphene in and Bolt and & Barrels formula me creates a microscopic separation in between metal and metal contacts. Great for firearms, bicycles, power tools, or anything that needs a high-performance lubricant. Bolt and Barrel is a veteran-owned company and available online at www.boltonbarreloil.com as well as select retailers around the country. Check them out on Instagram at Bolton Barrel Oil. Again, that's www.boltonbarreloil.com and use promo code scrolling for 10% off at checkout. This episode has also been brought to you by Cloverstone Digital Group. Cloverstone Digital Group is a digital marketing company that has been in digital marketing since 2003. They've helped everybody from a one-person business with a smaller budget to national retailers with a $35 million budget. They're helping me with my business and they can help you too. They're offering a free consultation to my listeners so let them know that Tom Berhani sent you. You can get them at Cloverstone Digital Group on Instagram or at CloverstoneDigital.com. That's com. All right. Or at Cloverstone Digital Group on Instagram. Again, tell them that Tom sent you for a free consultation. What is up, y'all? What is up, man? Welcome to another episode of Scrolling Through Life, man. I have my boy, Jeremiah Wilbur, man. I had to track this dude the hell down, y'all. <laughs> I ain't talked to him in a minute. He disappeared on me, man. Uh, but yeah, I got Jeremiah Wilbur here, man. He is a veteran. He served we served together in uh SF. We went through the Q course together. Uh so I've known him for a good minute now. Uh so Jeremiah, man, what's up, bro?
1: Nothing, man. How you doing, man?
0: I'm doing good, man. Just chilling, you know, trying to trying to get this retirement life on, I'm trying to be like you, chilling, yeah, man. <laughs> living yeah, it's, that good life. It's
1: definitely, it's definitely awesome. Uh, definitely awesome. I'm feeling
0: blessed, man. Yeah, man. You look like you're enjoying it, bro. Yeah, I'm loving it, man. Yeah. I've, been,
1: uh, I've been retired um, about a year and a half now. Okay. So January 31st, 2020 was my last day in the army. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so it's been awesome. and And before that, um, I was, I retired out of 10th group, right. uh, it took real good care of me. I got a, almost, almost a full year to just handle retirement stuff. Right. To worry about, you know, uh, medical issues and family stuff, yep. new job, whatever, whatever, whatever you wanted to do. Um, they were very supportive. I didn't really have to do much, just kind of shoot, uh, you know my groups are not major yeah. like hey i'm alive basically type of text messages once a week and that's about it so right. take good care of me man
0: yeah man you know you know that's one thing i've 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 noticed and i appreciate from uh from soft and from group from group especially is when you getting ready to retire they leave you they tend to leave you alone for that last year just to kind of you know what i'm saying cuz yeah.
1: cuz i think it oh my, i didn't mean to cut you off no 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 go ahead i was going to say i think it's the the slating because when you look at you know Come April uh, time frame, you start working on E seven slating where everyone's going for Swig, and then E eight slating. Who's up next for what job? Right. So, if as soon as they get your replacement in, whether that's a new team sergeant or a new instructor billet or whatever you're doing, right, um, it's pretty easy to basically say like, "Hey, this dude's off the books. He's retiring." Right. Um, you know, we can kind of hide them, you know, uh, or what have you. So I think like once they get that slating done, it makes it easy versus where the regular army, I think is kind of looking at you as just a rank and an MOS. Yeah. And then you need to work until, you know, day one, until t- it's like, okay, you're done. You're terminal leave or whatever. Yeah. And, and really it's like, we're doing the military disservice and the service member disservice. Because if you look at it and, and as soon as you submit that retirement packet, you could be 18 months out, a year out, doesn't matter. Right. You know, you're. let's be honest, like my my focus has shifted between doing the best job I can do at whatever job X I'm in, whether that's right. as a team sergeant or S3 sergeant major or whatever you're doing, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I know I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to focus on my life, my family, yeah. all the other things that I have at hand. So that's why I say we're doing the military disservice, one, by putting a guy in a position that I mean, he just isn't. He's just not going to do that good of a job. And like, why would you? Why would you want him to? Like, he's got other things he needs to focus on. Exactly. And then at the same time, we do that, we're doing the service member a disservice because, let's face it, like he, he's got all this shit to deal with at a regular job, and he's trying to retire. Right. Um, And in the special operations community, man, and the more you learn about head trauma and um, mental health and all these different things, you realize that like, you know, a year it seems like a long time, but it goes by quick, man. You start hitting these appointments, and you start getting meeting with all these different specialists and things. that, You know, every time you SRP, they're asking you what happened to you or what what's wrong with you, type of deal. And you're like, "Oh, I'm good. I'm good." Right. And then you realize, like, "Hey, man, I'm not good. I need to go get a colonoscopy and an endoscopy because my guts are so fucked up."
2: Yeah. So you just
1: start doing all these this big process. So I think that um, you definitely need
0: that. You know. Yeah, man. Um, I bro, I. Obviously, I knew I had issues, but I didn't know I had this. like I didn't know my body was broke down as bad as it was until yeah. uh, I started. Uh, you know, I went and saw the sock nurse, and she saying you know, they hook you up, and she was like, "Hey, go get X-rays," and I'm saying you know, yeah. X-rays from head to toe, and they were like, "Yo, you got this wrong, that wrong, this wrong." And I'm like, yeah. "Oh, I thought that was just like just normal wear yeah. They're like, "Nah, like you're like you need a four level fusion." I'm like, "Wow, no, like it's yeah, crazy. yeah." But it is, it is, and I
1: think that like the mentality that we're used to of push, push, not push. showing any weakness, you know, sick cost for pussy, you know, all these <laughs> other things. I I, I saw a shift a little bit in yeah. the last maybe like five, six years I was in the army where you're 18 Delta. Right. <laughs> I had really great experience in my Deltas where they took great care of the guys on the team. Yep. They, You I- might not have to go get seen by everything, but at least they documented it and they understood like, Hey Jeremiah, you fell lead climbing 30 feet. Next little tweak, it may not be nothing, but let's put it in there that, yeah. that something happened. So yeah. when I do go see that specialist, and it is like you said, they're like, "Hey, what's up with this little neck tweak?" You go see a specialist, and they're like, "Bro, your your C6 and c 7s out of place. It's been out of place for since this happened." I'm guessing. Like right. you're like, oh, "Okay, like yeah, it kind of hurts a little bit when I wear a kit all day or whatever." You know, yeah, just like, yeah whatever. So I think that that uh, from my experience, eighteen Delta. Uh, definitely took care of dudes. And, and I would, um, you know, any team guys out there, listen, I would say like, you don't always have to go to battalion med or whatever, but like right. just make sure your Delta is like putting that shit in med pros. He's taking care of your dudes. Facts. If you're a team sergeant, you know, like keep that Delta in your pocket. Like, remember your main job is, you know, just taking care of dudes and, and, and security. So it's like, I look at that as like a form of security. Like, yeah, I can't like when I'm back in the rear, you need to continue those, those tasks, you know, the, those, and it's like, I think a lot of guys kind of forget that. And right. there's just ways to kind of incorporate it or inculcate it in your daily team life, if you will.
0: Do you think Do you think now that, you know what I'm saying, like the war's kind of slowing down and or, or done really? Uh, you know what I'm saying? there's The op tempo has changed from when we, you and I were in and we got in, you know what I'm saying? It's definitely changed. Do you yeah. think that now more dudes will actually start kind of like getting checked out? Because before you didn't want to get checked out because you're like, hey man, if I have yeah. to get surgery or I have to Missing. get this. Yeah. Like, and yeah. I'm not going to miss, I'd rather go get hurt <laughs> than yeah. go get a surgery I and miss out. You know what I mean?
1: I don't know. I think there's a little bit more education. Um, I've noticed guys yeah. train smarter. They use store more. True. Uh, I mean, just think about like, here's one I always throw it out to, to older guys, you know, or when I say older, like we're in that, you know, yep. um, like when did you start using a foam roller? You know what I'm saying? Like, like I didn't use a foam roller until I was like fucking 30, 30 something years old. Like Max. I didn't know, like no one told me like, oh, foam roll. I was just like after a run, we do the same bullshit, fucking stretches, we do the same shit. And it's like, okay, we're done. See you guys after fucking child. Yeah. Like, so I think that that guys have gotten smarter. And now when you just look at the general athlete or um um, guy coming in, regardless if he's you know regular army or wants to be a soft guy, they've at least been to like a CrossFit gym or a gym where like people are teaching how to warm up, teach or showing right. how to cool down properly, how to foam roll and take care of your body. So I think like just in general, um, guys are doing a better job at at that, yeah. and then we have better coaching, more facilities. Uh, we're understanding some of that. So, so I don't know. So I, I think it's kind of a give take. I think there maybe right. some, some guys, I think they train smarter. Yeah. But at the same time, I also think, um, some of the things I saw with some of the younger dudes, like, you know, want to go to cat selection or training for best ranger or something. It's like, they're using all this like heart rate monitor shit and all this high speed. I'm like, Hey bitch, just fucking go. Right. Like some, to me, there's a point between like that old saying, you know, if you're injured or, or you hurt, like right. if you hurt, I don't give a fuck. If right. you're injured, then you're fucking injured, right? So there comes that point when it's like, am I being a pussy? Am I like, should I be wearing this heart rate strap and keeping my heart rate at a certain thing? Like how much science is involved? And sometimes the science is don't be a pussy, right. fucking put your <laughs> ruck on and fucking go. Like sometimes that's just the science. Right, and, right. And I think that like there's kind of that medium between there and, you know, all the, how how smart we've gotten, you know, at training, if you will.
0: Yeah, man. I agree with you 110% everything you just said, man, because, um, you know, we weren't we weren't smart, man, when we were younger. I wish I could have. You know what I'm saying? like So like right now, all these younger guys that are going in that, you know what I'm saying? They're always asking me questions. And the one thing I say is, hey, man, take care of your body. Take care of your body. Use the hell out of Thor. I wish I was smart and used Thor when I was in. I started using Thor way late. (laughs) Like like now I'm getting out. But I look back, I'm like, dude, everything was there for me everything mm-hmm. physical therapist yeah. like everything yeah. and and i just you know was not wanting to use it because i was a hardhead, head you know what i'm saying
1: yeah there's like um you'll hear like guys in the nfl football players describing that and they say availability is is key yeah you know durability and availability so you pride yourself on being durable uh that's going to make you available right. to your to your team you know to be an asset so i think that uh you know, you got it there. It's really good that there's those facilities and, and that in place, but definitely got to be durable, man. And, and if you, know, got to kind of figure out, I feel like if you're on a team or if you're, if you're a seal or you're a ranger, or you, you've already made it and you're, you're a team guy, you know, I think that you've made it, uh, through that rigorous selection process. So your yeah. mental toughness is already there. So I think you're, you can assess yourself pretty good at that level and say like, Hey, I'm, I got something that's tweaked or bothering me. Like, let me get it checked out. Right. Versus, I think if we go, like, if I look at my time when I was a drill sergeant or stuff in the Q course, you know, and like I was a sergeant major in the Q course, so I was dealing with like everyone's fucking problems like, right. as a student student leadership. Yep. So it's like I yeah. would, I could see that as a drill sergeant. I I saw that you know, uh, two years before that, and it was like, hey, private, you're just you're they're just being a pussy. Like they're not they're not actually dealing with it. You know. Right. So, But I think if you're, if you've made it through all that, that rigorous training, I think there's some value in a guy saying, Hey, you know, like I'm hurt, my back hurts or something's wrong. I, I don't, I don't see too often or didn't see too often, you know, somebody malingering or, or being, or just, you know, not, not about that action when they should be, you know?
0: Yeah, man. I, um, yeah. Um, I remember bro, like, you know, so I got a fusion. I got a fusion, and then I need another one. But uh, you know, I, I fucked up my back back in um, like 06, or seven. You know, what I'm saying on a deployment, and, and I I kept pushing. Never never did anything. Just kept pushing, pushing, pushing. But I'd go on deployments, bro, and like my back would lock up. Where I would lay in bed, and they'd have to bring me child because I could not move. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but like you said though, I think when you've done all that rigorous stuff. P- People don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh shit, like he's really fucked up, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, like he's really, yeah. he's, re- he's really fucked up. So they so they yeah. never really fucked with me, man. But, you know, I wish I would have actually just gone and got my shit fixed back then and I wouldn't be as broke as I am <laughs> today, you know what I mean? Instead of being a hard yeah, head, man. That's,
1: like you said, that, that op tempo too, man. You know, if you, you're gonna, you have that FOMO. That's the word the kids are using these days, son. Like, you, but the FOMO is real, you know, because, yeah. you know, I think like that's when if you look at like a mental health aspect side of it, it's like, that's when, um, you know, you have like survivor's guilt, you have all these different yeah. issues that guys come across and let's say you're a squad leader or a team leader or, or just a, a team guy. I mean, I don't think it matters your position, but it's like, um, especially if you're in leadership, it's even more so, but let's say your guys deploy without you, someone gets injured or killed. You're going to, you, you take that on to another level where, where you shouldn't,
2: you right. know,
1: uh, I think that's probably trait characteristic traits of good leadership and, and brotherhood, you know, but at the same okay. time, when you write it out on paper, it's like, no, you, you shouldn't feel that way. We understand why you do. Right. But I think like, especially back in the day and that op tempo, it was one of those things where it's like, like, this isn't a choice for me. Like this is, this is what, this is my duty yep. to, to make this happen, you know, versus I think if the op tempo slowed down a little bit, once we started working with like the 18 month cycles, or or the twelve month cycles like yep. time and stuff. Yep. I think that 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 helped out a lot because now you have a lot a larger gap. Um, even though it's very deceiving to a lot of the younger guys or someone who doesn't understand it, they think, oh, so you have a full year off. And I'm like, yes and no. When it's, you mix in TDYs and yeah. training and workups and and taskers and not really. all the other nonsense. <laughs> it's like, it's like you probably have a good 60 days at home. I, I was
0: just going to say, <laughs> you,
1: you know, and if you're a Ranger Battalion you're on that 12 month cycle, you, you might have 30 days, 25 yeah, days, something like that. So, I mean, it, it's deceiving. Um, but at the same time, I mean, there is some stuff in there and looking back when I was a team sergeant, if I had a guy who, for instance, your situation, something wrong with their back or whatever, I know like, Hey man, Hey Tom, as soon as you get back from deployment or as soon as deployment slows down, I'm sending you home early, right. let's get your, let's get your, your, your pre pre-op stuff done. You hit surgery. And then by the time we come around the next deployment,
0: you'd be ready because
1: you're more a senior guy. Like I'm not worried about you going through cephalic again or whatever you get healthy. You're still good to go. So I think there's some, some mitigation in, in, uh, you know, talent management, if you will at the team level that that that's done and, and can be done well so
0: but that but you got to have good leadership though for that for to sure. happen <laughs> sure. and i think uh sometimes we lack that <laughs> um yeah. let me yeah. let me ask you this before we continue on man um what made you join the army man like like what made you join the army and and, and because you didn't go straight to sf so you know what i mean like yeah. and and you know, kind of tell that little story because I know there's people out there that, you know what I'm saying, that that, that uh, obviously want to join, but they're, you know, want to go regular Army first or whatever it is, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. kind of like what made you join what made you join, what made you choose your M. that you chose?
1: So um, I guess I need to start with kind of more my, my background. You know, my, yeah. my mother is uh, Muscogee Apache. Um, my dad is, um, he's just a white cowboy from Montana. So I mean, kind of typical, like uh, what you think of as like, I want to use the term like manly, man, you know, but uh, just a very outdoorsman, hunter, cowboy. And then, um, and he, my dad was also in, in the military. My dad was in the Army. Right. Um, and then he was in the National Guard when I was a kid. So it's kind of like in and out of, you know, uniform on the weekends and and, and whatnot. Uh, so I saw that. And uh, I just, I just loved it, man. Like from my earliest memory as a kid, I, I just knew I was going to be in the Army. Right. Uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I just knew I was going to be in the Army. Right. My mom had a saying she would say to us all the time before we left, you know, almost like how people say, I love you or see you later. or Bye. I'm off to school. We would, my mom would make us look each other in the eyes and say, today's a good day to die. And it's the same that the warriors would say, um, before going into battle just every day. And, and what ah. it means, it doesn't mean it's not like suicidal ideation right, or, right, right. Or, or you want to die. It just means that you're, you're right with God. You're right with your family. Um, you know, you have, you, you're, you're, you laid it all on the table. So I'm, it's a good day to die. You know, when I go into battle and I, if I fast forward this, you know, through, through my career, and, and I'm sure a lot of guys out there who've been in combat and have been in those situations, they understand, you know, every day is Monday. Every day is a good day to die. And that's right. a deployment, you know, it. who cares what day it is and it doesn't matter. Like everyone's going to get this work. Right. So, so I think that that mentality as a young young age helped push me where I, where I became when I retired. Right. Um, so I, we grew up, in, I grew up in Montana until I was about, uh, 13 and then we moved to Las Vegas and then very cool experience between the two, because I grew up in a very, very small town in Montana. Um, my mom, uh, we we're kind of in and off, uh, off and on, on the Indian reservation and, and, uh, just, just awesome to grow up in the outdoors and nature and learn, you know, hunting and fishing and, and horsemanship and right. things like that. And then we moved to Las Vegas and we moved to, uh, pretty much the hood. I mean, I, I mean, gangland, lots of gangs, right. um, Hispanic and black. Um, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it any other way. You know, like I I think the things I've learned from even some of the older gang members that I was. I wouldn't say I was gang affiliated, but like, you know, kind of associated with, or Hang and I always played, yeah. And I always played sports. So, you know, they yeah. took care of me. They, they knew I was about something different than them. Right. And, uh, so I kind of give that, you know, kind of that street cred that I learned and street smarts from just living in that environment. And it was really cool because, um, here's one thing I always say it's like, uh, a lot of times in the media and social media, they'll, they'll, they they'll like to play race against each other. Yeah. And a lot of times you'll see, um, especially with black people, it really makes me laugh because growing up in a black neighborhood, it was like all we did was clown on each other. If you didn't have thick skin and like could just roast each other <laughs> or if, if you weren't tough enough to like slap box and they fight it out up, or son. whatever, like they would eat you fucking alive.
2: Yeah.
1: And and, and a lot of times it's like the media will pl- play the black community is like this downtrodden, like really like oppressed and like they're, they're really meek, weak people. And it's like, no dude, like the most proud, yeah, toughest, man. Facts. like funniest people I know Facts. are. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's just kind of, kind of weird to me. And, and that, you know, that carried forward in the army as well as a lot of the uh, soldiers, minority soldiers or, um, and, and it not have nothing to do. I, I would, I would take that back. I'm not going to say just minority soldiers, but I mean, just that kind of attitude in general, you can see uh, people who grew up in those kind of environments. And I think in the soft community, especially the guys who grew up in those kind of environments stand out really well uh, in a good way, because you need thick skin. Um, If you and, and that goes the same way, it doesn't mean you have to be in a rough neighborhood. But let's say you're a white kid from Nebraska and you wrestle. That kid has thick ass skin. You know, he's been. He's that's. had the cut weight, he's had his coaches on his ass, his parents on his ass. Like he's lived up to, you know, and, and been and been in that like kind of that 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 feeling I'm talking about as far as that goes. So right. but uh that's just something I thought was really cool about my background and, and I look back at my life and that gives me a lot of um kind of like the swagger or like the yeah, you know, what the young kids say nowadays, drip. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: I'm not I'm not gonna lie to you. So like uh so i'm learning a lot of this stuff also guys um uh obviously i knew uh, a little bit about him but now now that you said all that honestly it explains it it explains you it, saying it gives me a lot more uh, a little more cl- uh clarity of of why you are the way you are you know what i'm saying like like you know. your, your humor and the way that you just present yourself it, now now it explains it all yeah
1: yeah we say that a lot and i would say that um it's kind of funny like uh a lot of brown people are all the same. Um, yeah. and I just use the term brown and I'm, I'm, a, I met some like, I think that like cowboy culture is very similar, you know, where, um, my example is if anybody's ever been to Hawaii or somewhere where it's just, uh, or Alaska or something where it's a, a heavy native population, a heavy, a heavy population. If you go into a grocery store, let's say you walk into seven 11 and there's an older lady behind the counter and you're with your Samoan friend or friend who's from Hawaii the way he addresses her is he calls her aunt. Yep. Right. Like they, everyone's respectful and in Brown culture, where it's Hispanic, native Americans, black, a lot of black culture. Uh, And like I said, cowboy culture, I throw that kind of country, country living in there. Yep. Um, People are just way more respectful, um, everyone's an aunt Every, and to my kids to this day, like when people, if you come to my house and my kids know you, your uncle, your uncle, so-and-so, right. Or tia so, yep. That's it. There's no, there's no other, like, I'm not, not going to come around my kids. If I don't think that if I don't hold you to that standard and, Facts, and I want do. my kids to hold you to that standard, too, you know? So I think that like growing up, that was just something that was like super normal, uh, moving from Montana to Las Vegas and, and, uh, a lot of Hispanic friends and that basically, you know, the same way, a lot of the black friends, the same way. Um, so I just think that like kind of family bond, uh, in a, um, I guess like an extended family was something I learned very early on. And then as I grew in the military that, um, it seems like the brotherhood in the army was very similar in the same way, you know, which was, which is really cool. Right. Um, so anyway, so I, um moved to las vegas uh high school you know normal normal stuff uh sports i was really into martial arts um and then i joined the army well back up so my girlfriend at the time in high school got pregnant when i was a senior in high school right so my daughter now is uh 22 years old um and at the time i was just like man i gotta do something with my life Right. The plan I had was, so my dad, we moved from Montana to Las Vegas, we moved for my dad's job. My dad became a flight nurse for, um, flight for life. And he was, um, running that program there in Las Vegas. So very, uh, successful at that, at, um, running the flight, flight, uh, operations for flight for life anyway. So all the pilots that, Flew with my dad were all these like Vietnam era, like war heroes. You know, yeah. like these dudes are all in books and, and, uh, you know, all 160 or prior to 160, they're all like LZ X ray, 101st, um, you know, Laos, Cambodia yeah. kind of guys. So I thought I wanted to be a helicopter pilot. And they had a new, they had a program, high school to flight school. And you needed a little bit of college, but I had all that set up through the, the guys my dad knew to help me get into flight school. Right. But and able to do that, I was going to have to push my date in the army about 18 months. And I was like, look, I need to, I need to go now and do this. So I joined the national guard and my plan was to go in the guard because they paid a hundred percent tuition. Yeah. So I was going to go in the guard. My dad was still in the guard at this time. So it was very easy for me to kind of like to, to know all this, you know, I didn't have the recruiter lying to me or anything yeah. like that. My dad was an officer, um, oh, okay. in the medical unit there. So, um, yes. during the national guard and the only options for like MOSs was there was uh, an MP company. And then there was a tanker company, an armor company. And my dad was like, Hey man, everything on a tank weighs 300 pounds. And I was like, yeah, that's, and I kind of looked at, it, I was like, what do they do? Like all the shit was broke. Like I went to the motor pool and I was like, this looks whack. Right. I was like, fuck it. I'll be an MP. Like I'll be, I can be a cop. You know, that'd be pretty cool. Um, so that's how I, joined the army and went to base training AIT, uh, as an MP. And then when I was in AIT or excuse me, in, in basic, you know, OSIT. Yeah. Um, I think that like, I didn't have this realization until I was older until I was in my almost 30, you know, but you don't really realize like, especially if you have good parents. like my parents are awesome. I understand people are, grow up with, without parents of, like of that, but, uh, you don't really realize like how cool your dad and your mom are until you're a little older, you know. You think like yeah. you get disciplined and shit, and you're like fuck that, like what the fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and as you get older, you start to realize like damn, my dad was pretty dope motherfucker, you, appreciate you know? it, yeah. And like now to this day like it, you know, um my dad is just one of my heroes, you know. But in basic training, um I had a uh, my drill sergeant and he was just this awesome, like the epitome of like, if you looked up soldier in the dictionary, like his pictures next to it, you know? Right. Uh, and anyway, so I just was really drawn to that and he was kind of one of my heroes. And uh, while I was there in basic, I was like, I want to go active duty. So the same time, break that most people would have like hometown recruiting, you know, come home for two weeks. Yeah. I did the exact same thing, except I just got out of the national guard and transferred to active duty. Right. So I, I graduated in like November, something of uh, a basic training. And then I PCS to Fort hood was my first duty station as an MP in January of 2000. So this is November, 99. I graduated January, 2000. I reported to Fort hood. So I didn't, I had, you know, Christmas exodus, basically yep. and kind of Thanksgiving stuff. And that was it. So I didn't, so I don't really claim national guard stuff. I'm like, I don't really know anything about it.
0: I did the same um, thing, like, like the exact same thing you did actually. Uh, you know Cause I was like I was like yeah You know I, I knew I always wanted to join But I was like You know I got talked to into it man I got talked to that yeah. car But when I was at uh, uh, OSIT I was like <laughs> I want to do this full time. Like I can't yeah. do I cannot do this one one week and I cannot. Like I love this shit too much. So I did the same yeah. thing you did. So like I got back and I th- talked to my unit and I was like like I I graduated Friday. Monday I was at the office and I was like, "Hey, I really want to go back to doing it." And they're like, "Oh, you got to do it at least 6 months." And I was like, "Dude, like please can you all decide <laughs> can you all please just let yeah. me go?" I'm a private. Like, yeah. come on, man. It, exactly. Cares. And that's exactly what I told him. I was like, i, I I was like, I don't want to prolong. Like, I just want to go now, you know what I mean? Because I just got back. Yeah. And, they were, and, and they saw it, man. They saw how bad I wanted to. And they were like, all right, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Just sign it off. And so, like I said, graduated Friday. Monday, I was in their office. That that following Monday, a week later, I was back at Leonardwood because I had to go back, like, the active duty shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I had to do all that. And same thing, man. In, in January, I was at uh I.D. at my first unit, yeah, man. Yeah, man. man. Yeah. 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 So
2: I
1: spent... Um, Almost 10 years as an MP. Right. Uh, I did a, I did a, um, I got, you know, combat deployments. as was a squad leader, regular squad leader, went to Iraq right. from uh, 0- 05 to 06. Uh, my first deployment as an MP, I was on, uh, was back in, right after September 11th. We went to, uh, we went to the Mediterranean. We were assisting the Marines and the SEALs um, take down ships. Yep. Uh, and this, was, I was basically, I was assigned to SRT. It was like the SWAT team. Um, so, I mean, I had a little bit of like, kind of cool guy miss, you know? Um, I was always like the fastest dude. I was always the best at PT. Like I was always, you know, voluntold or volunteered to do, to do something extreme. But but like I was doing EIB when I was a private, you know, like I was an MP, but I was like, fuck it. They're like, you can't wear it. I was like, well, I still want to do it. You know? So I was always like chasing something, but I always had a lot of like self doubt. I always thought like, Like if if the E5 version of me saw the E7 version of me, like there's no fucking way. You know, I'd be like, there's no fucking way that's me. Um So I think like I just for whatever reason, I just doubted myself a lot and and uh I had a lot of pride in being a you know performing well and and uh doing things, but at the same time, you know, I just I just didn't have a, a ton of confidence there. So um, somebody that had like a ranger tab to me or something. I was like, damn, that dude's such badass. Like, (laughs) and, uh, you know, I, I never would have thought about like, why don't you go to rasp or go to rip or something? I'd be like, oh man, I can't, you know, I would just assume I couldn't make it through that training. And, um, I don't know, man, I I just, I got opportunities to be in some cool units and and do some things with PSD wise and as an MP, and uh guys would always be like, I remember this one cag Sergeant was like, what the fuck are you doing here? Right. <laughs> I was like, uh what do you mean, Sergeant Major? He's like, he's like, dude, you you this ain't for you, man. Like right. you need to go to someone's selection. You need to do something else. Put get your foot in the door. You're around these guys right now in this unit. You see what they're about. No one's outperforming you, man. Like you're you're a stud.
0: Doesn't that doesn't that feel good, man, when, when somebody recognizes something in you that you're not seeing? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, it, it, yeah. like, like it's an amazing feeling, man. Because, like, it's not that you don't believe in yourself. It's, it's, it's not that. But it's like, like you said, like that little bit of self doubt. But that little bit of self doubt, man, is it's, it's a strong, strong fucking oh, yeah. thing. Exactly. Man. <laughs> yeah,
1: but yeah, yeah. It, and it, and, I, and I can get into like you know things I've learned in the past, and I'll kind of come back to that yeah. some of that mental health, like on, yeah, yeah. on, on. Uh, I would say more mental toughness than mental health, but yep. but um. Yeah, so, and it, the other thing too is like, I would do PT with these operators, and I wasn't like getting crushed. I was like, I was still like top three dude, like top, you know, so I was just kind of like, ah, maybe, but I right. still had this like, you know, kind of this self doubt. And then um, I went to, I def, I definitely wanted to lead a squad in combat. Right. So I went back to a regular unit, uh, back to Fort Hood, Texas. And, um, did my one year there. And then I, then my dream was basically kind of pay it forward. Like I was talking about my drill sergeant and I wanted to be a drill sergeant. Yep. Um, so I did two years on the trail and, uh, back at Leonardwood, and at Fort Leonardwood has sapper school. So when I got there, I think I was just kind of like playing with the idea in my own head, like thought it would never happen. I was like, I want to go to sapper school. Right. And I started like saying this to my, uh, first sergeant and this and that. And I, I just, I honestly think I was saying it with the belief that I would never go. They're like, there's no opportunity ever for me to go. Yeah. And my first son was like, hey, man, if you, uh, he's like, I know the first son over there. He's like, you perform well in, in your first year on the trail. We'll see about getting you over there. So, you know, fast forward to uh, it was like my last cycle of the trail. I go to Sapper School. Um, I ended up being the honor uh, grad of Sapper School. Um, and it was my first time being around other than just peers, you know, B knock and all this other shit. Like, yeah, I was always like the top PT guy, but it was all these MPs, you know? Right. And it was my first time being around like all these other MOSs. Um, uh, there was a guy from Ranger battalion there. There was a guy from first group there and both of them were like, what the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. Like you're the MP bro. Like, so I think that kind of like sparked it. And then I basically right after I graduated cyber school and this is a, uh, all within a year, so I kind of lay this out. So, right. September 2009, I graduate cyber School. I right after cyber School, I go to uh to ANOC, which were they SLC now, I think they call it, or something, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I go to SLC. Um, I was uh got the Ironman award at SLC. So, when I was coming off the stage, my uh, the MP Commandant, he was a ranger, he had a ranger tab, and he shakes my hand and he puts a ranger tab in my hand. I'm just thinking, like. Okay, cool. Like it's just like a cool little drive-on tab, whatever, yeah, yeah. you know. And, and he's like a Vietnam era dude, you know. And uh he's old as shit, but just this salty badass colonel. <laughs> and uh and my sergeant major, um, he was actually my op sergeant when I was a private. Right. And uh and and he too had went to ranger school before they closed it out to like, you know, only the combat arms and lesses. So he shakes my hand, gives me a ranger tab. I'm like, all right, cool, thanks, Sergeant Major, and he goes, and he's like, January 3rd. And this is like December 18th or something, like right before we start, term, you know, block leave on Exodus. He's like, January 3rd. my like, January 3rd was like, Ranger School. And I'm like, uh, he's like, oh, you don't want to fucking go? I'm like, no. Yeah, I want to <laughs> go mean, He's like, all right, you're fucking going. Right. So anybody who knows like the packing list and yeah. the fucking crazy, I had two weeks to like, holy fuck, God. get my shit together. I'm on Leonard Wood that doesn't really have...
0: Ranger Joe's
1: and like that. Yeah. Like shit I need. So I yeah. load up, I go home for leave and then I drive from Vegas to Georgia and I go to Ranger Joe's, get all my shit together and then go to Ranger school. And, uh, yeah, man, it was same thing. I had a blast, uh, at Ranger school and, and, uh, really realized then it was like, you know what? Um, I'm done with the regular army. I don't want to be uh, a regular guy anymore. I, my confidence level yeah. had start to match my potential, I think. And, um, so that's when I was like, look, I got to do something else. Um, I'll kind of segue into a shorter story here. Cause yeah. I don't want to put yeah. too much out there, but, uh, you know, a lot of that story with me, I thought I was going to get my dream job. I, thought I was going to go be the master breacher in one seven five. Yep. some shit happened to me. Started major issues. Um, with the Sergeant Major, everyone fucking loves to hate uh, <laughs> Nick Bielik Nick the Dick. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> I, re- I, re- I remember you telling me this story now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, oh, man. that's why they so, call him Bielik the Dick. That's why. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude.
1: So, anyway, um, shit didn't go down like I planned. And all that being said, he did kind of hide in me and take care of me and say, hey, man, what do you want to do? Um, I was still throwing around whether I want to be a pilot or go to CAG selection. Right. CAG selection wasn't until the spring and I had to get out of there. So I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm fucking out of here, man. And I went to, uh, and, um, and then basically, you know, Q course and all that. And that's where we link up and, and, uh, so all the, all the Q course shit. I remember, then,
0: uh, I remember meeting you and talking. I remember, you know what I'm saying? Just like you just said earlier, how, you know, when you went to Sapper, when you went to, uh, 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 ranger school, and all that stuff, I, I remember talking to you being like, bro, wh- why didn't you go to ranger battalion? Like, why? <laughs> like, what the fuck you been doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause like no, 100%. Cause you see certain people with certain mentalities and certain driving. You're just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like at. Yeah. Whatever you were you know what I'm saying? Like it's just like, why didn't you go? I see a lot of people like that. I'm like, bro, like you would have been the shit at fucking Ranger Battalion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well,
1: I, I think another thing, like looking back on my career, other than other than doing PSD um where I worked at, um, but that was still on an installation that didn't have any any opera. It wasn't, it wasn't like I was at Benning and there was Ranger Battalion there, or it wasn't like yeah. I was at Campbell and Fifth Group was there, or at Bragg, and you have all these dudes. Like I I was at Fort Hood. And and you weren't I exposed was, to it. Yeah, like I, I just didn't I just didn't see it. So I mean I think it may have been different if if I would have been on like I Fort think so. Bragg, then I'd have been like, I probably went to the Sorb Recruiter, you know, when I was a fucking E5, yeah, you know, or a specialist. Yeah. Like, fuck this. I want to, I want to try it. Um and then I think sometimes that self-doubt like creeps in too, where it's like, I look back and I'm like, people are like, what if you what would you have done differently? Yeah. And I say if I could have done something differently, I would have, I would have went to rip when I was fucking 18 years old. Like I would have just been like an option 40 contract. 100%. Um, but then some of that self doubt is like, well, did I have the mental fortitude to make it through those things when I was 18 years old? The other part of that is like knowing how I am and some of the things that I've done on my team, uh, would I be alive if I was 18 years old and I went to a range of Right. um, you know, or, or so I think, God has a plan, you know, like
0: I agree with everything, you on that. everything
1: happens for a reason. You know, I, I, agree. I think that like we learn from those things. And, um, all in all, I think that all my experiences with the regular army, with being a drill sergeant, with, uh, the things I learned really helped me be uh, a better person, a better soldier. I had more in my pocket than, than other, other guys. Yeah. You know, that I didn't experience that, you know? So, so all in all, you know, I, I there's no, uh, there's no like remorse there or, or, or like, you know, kind of weird feelings at all about what I did or didn't do. <laughs>
0: yeah. I agree with you, man. Um, um, yeah. Thinking back like that, you know what I'm saying? Like if I like that self doubt, but you also, just like you're just saying, if you look back like what I made it back then, because self doubt, is it's, it's, a, it's, it's a strong thing and it fucks a lot of people over, man. You know what I mean? Um, but that growth is what, is what, really gets you through like now you know what I mean that continued growth um once you get that self-doubt out you know that kind of makes any sense what I'm saying but oh
1: absolutely yeah absolutely and and it's like um so basically like I don't want to I'm trying to stay kind of in order here but I would say like I would say like even now um when I'm out doing uh, like if I run an ultra marathon or if I'm out doing I, I like to really push my body and do something hard a couple times a year. Right. And, um, the one thing I tell people, um, that want to either work up to that or do the same thing or, or, um, I do a lot of personal coaching with guys who want to be special operations. Right. And, um, the one thing I always tell them, like, Hey man, as soon as you give yourself an out in your head, as soon as you start to rationalize something you're gonna quit. Mm-hmm. And the 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 analogy I give, it's like you could go to the gym and let's say in your program or you know you want to spend, you know, 30 minutes on the stairmaster with a
0: weight. Right. Yeah, sorry you about that. Again? Yeah, sorry oh, about no. that guys. Uh <laughs> sorry about that guys. We had a little technical difficulty, but we're good now. Yeah, man. So you're talking about like uh self doubt and then you were talking about the stairmaster something about uh Yeah, yeah. so yeah.
1: so like the analogy I would use in that is Let's say you got your weight vests on, you're on a stair climber, whatever, just any hard work, I, it doesn't matter. Give yourself any, any put yourself in any situation you're familiar with. But as soon as you, it starts to be hard and you know you need to accomplish it, but you give yourself an out, basically saying like, well, if I only do 20 minutes, like I, I could only do 20 minutes and still work, I did legs on Monday or whatever your excuse excuses. Like you, as soon as you start to rationalize giving up, You're just going to create more things in your mind to pile on top of that, to give up. So if you're, if you're running a marathon and you're pushing yourself hard, you can say like, I need to dial it back or I could just quit right here at the halfway point or all these different things. And those are things I've seen guys do and self-assess in selections at ranger schools, at whatever. And it's like, don't give yourself an out. Like your only option is today's a good day to die, bro. Like yeah. I don't give a fuck. I'm graduating or, I'm, or carrying me out in the body bag. And if you have that mentality, then you'll be fine. But as soon as you start to rationalize, you know, you can, you can, you can complain how it sucks. One of my favorite things to do, if it's pouring rain and shitty, like I like to complain about it, right. but I'm not going to tell myself, well, let's just stop right now. Let's take a break. I'll put my raincoat on. Like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. You're, you're just making excuses to, to end up, you know, quitting in that situation. So I think that like, that was something it took me a while to, to kind of figure out. And I had this, all this self doubt about, was I able to accomplish that? And like I said, you know, the E5 version of me, um, you know, if I walked you know down the sidewalk both in uniform the e7 version of me like i would no fucking way i'm like there's no fucking way dude. i say like, that i that say that all the time fuck, it's like yeah. i've never even seen a dude with that many tabs before like what yeah. the fuck like are you kidding me so i think like that that was um part of that it just took me a little while to, to learn that about myself
0: <laughs> i agree man um you know I hope y'all listen to this series, man, because he's 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 dropping gems, man. And, you know, like when I was at I'm saying, uh, uh Selection Land nav, you know, you can see the kids that are, that are going to quit. Like you can see it. I remember you know what I'm saying like this happened numerous times. But I remember one particular kid. It, it was it was our last class for the summer. And it's hot. You know what I mean? It's, it's team week. I was walking team week. You know what I'm saying, helping out. And I'll never forget this. He comes up to me and he goes, um, I think I might pass out. And I'm like, well, are you? gonna pass out or are you not? Like. <laughs> and and I and I and I literally told him I was like either you quit or you pass out. Like literally those are your options. Like you know what I mean? Like I don't know what to tell you man. Like I can't help you like quit. Like I, I'm not going to give you an out. But he was like like I could see his the, the seed was what he planted it's what he there. And I straight up told him straight like hell up man. I was like hey man, I think you know what you want to do. Like, yeah, I think you know what it you want to do and you're going to fuck your yeah. team. Like you're going to fuck your team. You know what I mean? Because you're sucking. You already want to quit. And this is team week. You're going to fuck your team. So decide what you want to mm-hmm. do now while we're while while you everybody's getting water. Like, yeah. like, decide what, what you're going to do.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's one of those things Like if you. If you could, like, kind of think about what he's thinking about. He's probably thinking like, well, I'll still go back to my unit. It's not a big deal. Like, I'm still a squad leader. I'm still this, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like all these different things he's rationalizing. He's creating the story. What happens if he doesn't make it in selection Then you don't versus belong. versus not even like, I don't even think about
0: that shit. Yeah. You're know, like,
1: Oh, like what, 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 what's my contingency? There isn't one. Like no. I'm, I'm dying. Like what, yeah. there isn't a contingency to me not making it through this, you know? Um, and, and like, I, I failed at shit. You know, I did best Ranger, man. That was the only, that was the first time I had to fucking raise my hand and be like, I fucking quit. Like, Physically could not seek medical attention. Yeah. No one could see me until the first sergeant walked over to me and my ranger buddy and was like, like, do you quit? And I'm like, I just need to see the medic, man. And he's like, you can't see a medic unless you quit. And I'm like, and at that point, you know, I've been in third group for a while. I'm like, I I, I was like, I knew I was at the point with my, who I was as a man and understanding my body to know that like, and that's saying a lot, very, very wrong yeah something's very wrong with my fucking foot and now it's my whole leg yeah the whole right side of my body like i don't know what's up that physically had to say i quit medic came over there cut my boot off and was like fuck bring the ambulance over <laughs> put this motherfucker in." yeah the you know i had torn a tendon in my foot and it basically like kind of retracted up into my calf and all this shit and uh you know and I, and and yeah. It was, that was hard for me. And I felt, you know, I, like I let my partner down, I let like third group of down, like of I physically, you know, was like fucked up. And, um, so that was a lot of, to like deal with, you know, but it was a very humbling experience to, to kind of bring me back to reality because yeah. I, I can honestly say that because of who I was in third group and the reputation I had, I, I almost started to get like a little, a little too cocky, I think like yeah. a little, just a little bit too swaggy. I think that probably could have affected some of the decisions that I make in combat because I, I was getting a little bit um, aggressive is good. I was going to say, and if, but there comes a point where like sometimes thinking a second assessing what's going on versus just immediate reaction, right. right? Like, yes, when you take, when you're, when you, when you take contact, there's only two options. You break contact right. or you maneuver and you kill the enemy period. Right. Those right. are only two options. But if you take one of those options away, breaking contact, and your only option is maneuvering, destroying the enemy, sometimes you get a little
0: ahead of yourself. Ahead of yourself, I was just gonna say, yeah, you know.
1: So I, I, kind of think that maybe that was like kind of God, like telling me, like, "Hey, man, pump the brakes." Yeah, like you're not shit could happen to you. you (laughs) Yeah. So so it's kind of a good thing in a way.
0: Yeah, man. Um, but that was the first time I had to like, so I understand, you know. Like, I'm not saying it doesn't happen to people, you know. No, no, man, it does, man, and and you know. The, the the flip side of that so like that's one kid there was another kid who like you knew he was gonna pass out you saw it like and me and my uh, uh, me and my other uh, uh, cadre that were together I was like yo man like we should go check on this dude like like he's gonna pass out you know what I mean because dude was a stud and yeah. I remember going to him, I was like hey man like like are you okay like like you need to talk to a medic real quick cause you cause you look bad like you look bad and he's yeah. like nah nah no nah, I'm good I'm good and he was putting in all the work bro he took I, I forgot what event it was, but whatever we got out the gate, not even ten feet and dude just pow. And I felt so bad because I'm like, I knew he's a stud, you know what I mean? But I'm yeah. like like I, I can't even afford yeah, you, I mean, you know what I yeah, mean? But I think that's
1: a good uh testament to just show you that, you know, um the people we think would make it or be studs, often it doesn't you can't look at somebody and say like oh that dude's gonna make it or that dude's a stud. Yeah. But at the same time it just goes to show you like it is hard. Like, yeah. you can't just be physically good, you, you, you know I mean? That might be a guy you would want on a team if you look at it, but at the same time, it's like, if you miss one standard, you don't make it, and you're not good enough. And, like and that, that was it, that's yeah. That's what it boils down to, you know?
0: And we vouched so, for him, you know what I'm saying? Because he was a stud, we were like, hey man, yeah, like, yeah, like, sure. like definitely come back, you know what I mean? But we can't do nothing for you here, like see see, yeah, see, no, exactly, like see you next exactly. class, you know what I mean? But yeah, but, yeah. but it goes to just say what you're saying right now, like, you know what I mean? Like you know, that, that, that self-doubt and then, and then pushing yourself, you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's two fucking two sides to it, man. So you were just talking about third group, man. So you went to third and you yeah. were at 10th. How did you like both? Okay. So different cultures. Um,
1: yeah. Different culture. Yeah. I, uh, like I said, third group, um, it was my favorite, man. I, I had, I had so much fucking fun. I was around the fucking gnarliest dudes. I, I had, um, great Mentorship from team sergeant level.
0: Right.
1: Um, I mean, just everything about that group to me, it was awesome. I I just, I hear everything.
0: I hear, Um, I hear, I hear nothing but great mm -hmm. things about third group, to be honest.
1: Yeah. And I just think like some of it was like that warrior culture where guys were doing, you know, six months on six months off in third group to Afghanistan for, you know, 10 years almost. Right. And uh, everyone that was a senior guy, was just so salty and just had so much combat experience that, that really like you could be a new guy. And even if you, especially if you were x-ray, you know, and you never, you never saw anything besides, you know, no regular army time at all. I mean that mentality just automatically, you just adopted it. And if you didn't, you got, you were gone. Like if you didn't adopt that mentality, you were fucking gone.
0: Right? Uh, You'd go to the
1: B team. Like no one's going to have you on their team.
0: Um, it's kind like of so anyway, <laughs> like Ranger Battalion. What's that? Kind of like Ranger Battalion.
1: Yeah, No, I, I, I compared a lot. Um, yeah. A lot of my leadership was from Ranger Battalion. Um, my uh, favorite, I, I won't say his name because he's not retired yet, but he, he's a Sergeant Major over there now. And, right. Uh, I mean, he was a 375 guy. He was uh, he was a, a RRD kid. I mean, he just decorated as fuck. One of those dudes were like, Jesus, like this, you know, it's like you're just like proud that that dude's your team, sorry. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I just had amazing opportunities and, uh, and and great leadership. I this is where like I had to do some self-assessing and realize that like my mental health did become an issue in my attitude because I went I changed from tenth group or from third group to tenth group for family reasons, uh, and. Basically, when I got there, I, it was right when third group and 10th group were switching um, from Africa to Afghanistan. So I'm like, okay. oh, I'm for sure going to second battalion that, you know, they're in charge of Afghanistan. And I go to the group sergeant major and he's basically like, yeah, you can't be a one trick pony. You speak Russian, you're going to third battalion, which is in charge of like counter Russian aggression. Right. So I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I've never been on a J set in my life. i never been anywhere in my life that wasn't like fucking bad guys and yeah. no shit. So I, uh, I go into 10th group and they just have a different mentality in 10th group. Um, all the guys knew each other. They were very, um, which was different for me in third group where it was like, if you knew sister teams or maybe the teams you ripped out with and other battalions or things like that, but the guys just weren't up and down the hallway, just didn't have this, like everyone knew each other and gossiped and, and, and knew each other's business. Right. It just wasn't like that. I get to 10th group and it's like that. I literally came from a team where it's like, if you fucking talk shit, we're going out back. We're going to punch each other in the face a couple of times. The homies are going to break it up. We're <laughs> going to drink a beer and we're going to hug it out. And then no one talks about it ever again. What? Like, that's how I grew up. That's how third group was to me. Yeah. I come to and you know my attitude. You yeah. know that like the hood side definitely fucking comes out.
2: Oh, yeah, I'm it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so I had a pretty fucking bad attitude looking back on it. Like I self-assess. There's things I could have done differently. Right. And the one thing <laughs> I always preach and I didn't follow it was that You have to understand your operational environment.
2: Right. Sometimes
1: as a special forces soldier, your operational environment is to roll your sleeves, your elbows and look cool as fuck. Sometimes it's wear a suit and not curse and be very articulate. Sometimes it's to wear your uniform and one standards, all your patches. And and you have to understand your operational environment. Yes. I did not do that. I did not hear my own advice and look at the personalities around me and adjust my personality to slowly try to uh, teach the younger guys or make them more aggressive or make them more um, what I thought was better as a, you know, quote unquote operator or green beret. Yeah. Um, that kind of like what you said, that like range of battalion mentality, you know, like that didn't exist. Right. So, um, and you already know this whole story So I, I'm trying to like describe it without like being too, too specific. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I never had any like anybody say anything like racist or heard anything crazy when I was in third group. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen or doesn't exist or whatever, but I just, I never heard. um, I never heard of like white people openly using a hard R.
2: Yeah,
0: man. And
1: the only time I've ever heard that was my mom's Indian, my dad's white, like growing up as a kid, I've I've seen things and heard things and, and uh, you know, traveling to the South for martial arts, you know, for tournaments and things. And it was weird, man. I, and I, I've seen racism. I've been a part of it. Um, but you know, uh, otherwise in the army, like I just didn't hear anybody say that shit. Yeah, like, man. and and if, and if they did say that shit, like they got their ass, right. Knock the fuck out. Right. Quick. Right. Like, you know? Um, and a lot of people like knock MPs, but I tell them like, look, there's a lot of like down ass motherfuckers, yeah, I was with, yeah. you know, when I was younger. So I'm like, okay. But, um, it was the first time I heard like people openly using hard R about things. Wow, and I was man. like, what the fuck? I was like, you really just say that shit. And, and, uh, one of the guys told me one time in third group or in a uh, 10th group, he said, he said, uh, and I'm, I'm going to use the words here cause whatever he said, um, I was like, I was like, I feel like it's different if you're using that word and like you're rapping a rap lyric or some shit. Like, I get it. There's a lot of black dudes who don't want anybody to say that. I was like, but at the same time, like in my neighborhood, like if you were just being normal and you said like you're rapping, like you said, nigga, like, nope, somebody might say like, hey, don't say that shit around Tom. He'll fuck you up. Right. Right. You can say to me. Right. Right. Whatever.
0: I'm the same. So I've never
1: heard. I've never heard like I've heard like white boys be like, "What's up, my nigga?" Right? But yeah, like yeah. I never heard a like in a in a racial way like right. that. And this dude told me he was like, he's like, no, there's a difference between nigga and niggers. He's like, everyone's a nigger, and I was like, what do you mean? Well, I was like, what are you even talking about? Bro? <laughs> what? And he's like, and he's like, and he told me he said a nigger is a black dude that when you're driving through the parking lot of Walmart that looks at you and walks real slow and like mad dogs and shit. He's like, that's nigger. He's like, but so-and-so on fucking 1-4. Nah, he ain't a nigga, he's a nice guy. And I'm like, I'm and in my mind, I'm listening to shit. And I'm like, I'm like,
0: man, what the fuck? And I'm like, and so, so I'm letting it go because- <laughs> Don't that shit blow you I'm away though? Gonna- don't that shit blow, you, like, like when somebody does that, you're like, in a way you're like, how do I react to this? Like, I don't, like, I don't even know yeah. what to, like, I don't even, like, <laughs> like on the street, I'd knock your ass out, but this is like, I'm shocked right now. <laughs> yeah, so. And he's like a good
1: fucking soldier. <laughs> right. And I'm like, and he doesn't know my background. He doesn't know like I have black kids. Yeah. So you know. I'm like, hey man. so I'm just like letting him kind of, you know, say some shit. Uh, and that was kind of like, and I've heard, you know, in the, up and down the hallway every now and then and shit. But, but, uh, so anyway, my attitude, my aggressiveness ends up getting me kicked off of my ODA. They can't handle it. Um, my right. team sign was fucking trash. uh, I just, and I don't let that shit go. And I'm one of those guys who I'm always going to speak my mind. Yeah. I think that's what makes also makes special forces really awesome in itself is that from the, you know, it is truly a bottom up driven organization it when is. Comes to Intel and we need to understand it. And if we're asking our ju- most junior guy on the team to be able to run an, a, a company by himself, you know, by with and through, when we talk about force multipliers. That's our doctrine. Right. So, then that means that we need we need to train him right and he needs to be able to understand, you know, the tactical level, the operational strategic level, like know what's going on in the battlefield. You need to be a smart individual. It's not about shooting guns and looking fucking badass all the time. Right. So I look at that and I'm like, well, if I'm trying, I'm trying to teach these young guys this shit. Like I'm I'm right. like I'm a double tab E7 you know, like I should be teaching guys this shit, like blah, blah, blah. I can't all this combat experience in third group, what have you. Exactly. So anyway, I just get into it. My team sergeant, about same type of words, same type of shit. Um, and then it kind of blows up from there. I end up getting kicked out, uh, off my team and go up to battalion. Right. In less in less than a year, um, I was actually the battalion S3 op sergeant. I was doing Sergeant Major duties because my Sergeant Major's son got hit by a kid, uh, like hit, hit by a car and had to like, just get the fuck out of there. And he didn't, he was gone for months. Right. So, um, fast forward, you know, and I, once I went to battalion, I self-assessed, understood my attitude, toned my attitude down a little bit. And then, um, everything worked out good. I would say in my, the rest of my timeline in 10th group was, was pretty good. I still didn't like the attitudes. I still thought people were soft. I still thought that, maybe that's just kind of the army, the way it's turning and and me being old and salty that like some of the things that was going on, uh, um, what could have just been an army culture as well. Not just, you know, tenth, right. third group to 10th group. Um, cause this is obviously a couple of years now, this is two or three years in, Right. um, I became, uh, I got to basically pick my own team as a team sergeant and, uh, I became the team sergeant of high North, it's what they call high North team. So we're in charge of counter rush aggression above the Arctic circle. Right. So it was awesome, man. I was a team started a mountain team that deployed to, you know, Finland, Sweden, That's um, a whole nother skill set when it comes to cold weather and skiing yeah. and mountaineering. And just, just, I would say like, other than combat, like this is the next closest mission because we are, we do have a real world mission set. Yeah, We are doing real world objectives. Um, just everything's on a TS level and on a different avenue that you know you don't see in the news and the media, whatnot. Right. Um, but it was, it was phenomenal, man. And I was so proud of my guys, like how they conducted themselves. That sounds and, dope, man. And,
0: uh, <laughs> what's that? That sounds dope. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. It was, it was, it was hella dope, man. Uh, yeah. And then I basically had a couple of years, um, kind of left after that, after team starting time and, um, I knew I was going to retire. So I basically got, uh, I did one year as an instructor over um, with the, uh, the mountain locker side of the house, teaching Arctic operations. Right. And then I uh, got my year to, once I got my replacement in, I got, I got my year to retire. And uh, it's kind of, you know, now that's like the next chapter of life starts. for
0: Yeah, me. man, that's dope, man. So um, that's my
1: like army career, I guess, <laughs> in a abridged version, you know,
0: you said, um, so, so you were talking a second ago about um, in third group, um were you were you like going through things at that time was there was there like you know what i mean
1: um i don't think i was going through anything All i right. think that i think that that like i'm trying to explain it that feeling you get with if you're if you're into martial arts or you're into anything that's aggressive yeah. sport yeah or combat so like that feeling you get when you are, uh, I guess, like people call it like the flow state. It's like you're not scared. You don't have emotions. Your fear is like right here, but you're able to control it. Yeah. And you're just in the flow state of fucking killing bad guys or yeah. knocking dudes out or what, whatever it is, whatever sport, you know, wrestling, jujitsu, boxing. Um, it, it's almost like you don't think in a way. I don't know. I don't have, it's hard to explain unless you, unless you kind of understand what I'm I'm going with that. Right. Right. So I think that that kind of feeling that like attitude of very, being very numb with like emotions. Like I didn't really have emotions. I had like anger and that was about (laughs) it. Like everything else is just kind of like, eh, okay. Like I could, I could literally draw out like 500 bucks out of the ATM and like the wind could blow it all in my hand. And I'd be like,
0: like whatever right
1: you know like where shit just didn't bother me because i'm like ain't nobody die like that's the first thing i always thought was like who cares like okay like everyone's okay like what the fuck are we freaking out about like we're like you know especially like and those are the things i had to like as a team sergeant really try to like tone myself down a little bit because I didn't want to put my team or my guys in the bad situation because of the things I said, like I'm the, I'm, I was still the motherfucker who would be in the battalion meeting and, and tell the battalion commander, like ask him why he's in a fucking homosexual panic about fucking, fucking the grass or whatever the fuck. Right. You know, like, right. You still need to be a reality check and a dude who will like tell you what it's about. So I, I was able to kind of tone that attitude down a little bit, but yeah. still have that like, um wherewithal and still had my at my uh, being myself still myself, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what helped me be successful when I went up to the three shop to build relationships with senior leaders, um, trust with, you know, um other, you know, B team operations guys and sergeant majors and other team sergeants in the battalion and things yeah. were able to trust me and and build a relationship with them because they knew that like I just had an attitude. Like I was just a little like Jeremiah's a little fucking crazy at times, but yeah. he's fucking awesome. So I was able to kind of reel that in and get that back to where I was when I was in third group versus um, you know, and and I have a shame profile. I've had a beard for fucking, I don't know, like 10 years. So Gee. I was literally just like this angry fucking, like they treat me like an angry black guy, like with yeah, beard. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> a shit bag that can't that doesn't shave because it's a shit bag. You know, it's right. like, no, I have fucking shit in my face from combat. Like right. I I can't shave, man. Like my face is fucked up. Right. So, you know, it was just those kind of incidents. And I, I was so heightened aggressively that, like, yeah. I would just take everything, like, I would just dwell on it and dwell on it and dwell on yum, it. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, and, and I think that, like, once I was able to kind of, like, tone some of that down, it, it helped me, you know, be what I was. But I also look back and it's like, you know, I wasn't a good teammate then. Right, you know, I wasn't right. being a good soldier. Like there was a lot of things that I I had a person look at and say like, okay, like I understand why I'm in the three shop right now, you know, like whether the, I can't blame other people for not being aggressive or for saying certain things right. or acting a certain way. I still did what I did and, and, and had the attitude I had, you know,
0: that's, the, that's the one thing, man. Um, that I'll say, man. When I first uh, first met you, that is the one thing I respected about you, and I still do respect about you. But that was the one thing, you know, initially that that kind of like drew me to you was because you're very vocal. And when we, whenever we, you know what I'm saying we talked about things, you were like, "No, nah, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna go take care of this. Like, I'm gonna go say something. I'm gonna, you know what I mean? Don't worry, I got this." Yeah. And I was like, "God damn, all right, shit, motherfucker, take care of business." You know what I mean? And like, you never, you never took shit. You know what I mean? And you, and you always stood up for for what was. What needed to be done, man? You know what I mean? Playing it simple, you know what I mean? Almost
1: got me kicked out of the cue course. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what when, uh, when in the Bravo course? Because remember, I'm an echo, yeah, I yeah, was an echo.
2: Yeah. No, I yeah,
0: yeah. I remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're
1: not so the Bravo course frowns upon you choking motherfuckers out in the mortar pit,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <I> remember now. Um, <laughs> uh, let me let me ask you this, man. Uh, what was what was the transition like mentally?
1: Um, because
0: I'm kind of struggling think, with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think that like the biggest key for my transition, it's it's basically just like your message that you do, um, when you do your reels. You know, like just positivity, like surrounding yourself around positivity and like-minded people. Yeah. Um, so that's not, I understand that I've been blessed and I've been put in situations where, and as I tell the story, people who have been that for me, you know? Um, so I did have almost that full year to retire, which is really good. Um, I basically, uh, coached and kind of interned at a CrossFit gym. So I was around a lot of civilians, um, who still have that, like, patriotism, you know, doing hero wads and things like that. So, so everything, it it wasn't, it wasn't like I went to this, like, I didn't go to like, you know, downtown Chicago or some shit where it's like just everyone who thought like me now, I'm like, Whoa. So it wasn't that kind of crazy transition. It was like slowly, uh, immersing myself in civilian world, but with people who were like, there's a lot of firefighters there and police officers and veterans and new, new normal blue collar people just working out and, and hanging out. So that was a, that was a good step for me, um, to kind of understand some of that. And then, um, when I retired, I, so back up a little bit, I started doing, um, big, uh, endurance events a couple of times a year for a nonprofit. So the first one I did, uh, I want to say it was 2016. I ran from Denver to Breckenridge, <laughs> uh, for the green braid foundation. Right. And, And, uh, I, my wife was pretty much, you know, pushing out stuff on social media and I would just send out email chains and things. And I was getting decent donations, but nothing crazy. And I just looked at, I was like, okay, I know that like social media is the, the, the fucking way of the future. And it's like, you you got, you got to do it. So the, the day I retired, I started, um, social media with the intent of like, just trying to build a platform for, um. For working with nonprofits and trying to raise more money. Yeah. So doing that through social media. And this is where like I I don't let the negativity on social media affect me. I have so many positive, awesome stories about Instagram. Like it's crazy. Like just linking up with new people or old people yeah. or whatever. Um, seeing, you know, people's kids and how they're daily living and things. It's just so cool, you know? Yeah, man. Um, but I, um, I met, um, his, he's actually a, a green beret as well. I, I won't say his whole name cause he's on a, I think he, he's still contracting right now, but he owns a, uh, clandestine media group, which is a media company and they provide, um, everything from videos and photography for, uh, like Magpul, Black Rifle Coffee, um, right. Smith and Wesson, like big, you know, companies like that. So I thought it was a sniper shoot. So I see this thing. It says winter sniper um, shoot. And I'm like, who's teaching Arctic snipers? Like, I'm not saying I'm like the best in the world, but I'm like, okay, as far as America goes, like, there's not too many dudes who are on my level when it comes to Arctic warfare. Right. So I'm like, well, who, who's this guy? So I'm like, what the fuck is he teaching? So I reach out to him and it was a photo shoot. So I'm like, oh, okay. Like you. We play fucking dress up and take pictures of us. <laughs> so I'm like, fuck it. And he's like, yeah, I'll pay you fucking money. I'll feed you, whatever. So I'm like, fuck it, whatever. I ain't got nothing else going on. I'm like, yeah. I'll go out here. Hell yeah. Well, it turns into being really, really cool experience. Yes, we're kind of LARPing. Yes, I put on kit and uh, run around. But from what I've, what I've gained from that is everyone that works there at the, at the company is a veteran. They all it's very like team oriented because he's a former team sergeant. Um it feels like being in ODA, feels like being in the team room where we're throwing jokes around, talking yeah. shit, having fun, prepping gear, cleaning gear, like all those kind of those smaller tasks that you know that guys know what a team room is like. Um so that made me feel right at home, you know. Yeah. And then the other part of it was like I'm still, you know, even though I'm like just shooting on the flat range or um, one of the examples, it was one of the photo shoots we did. There was like three or four other green berets from 19 group there. And we had to do this, like make a video of us running through the house together or for uh, like a hostage rescue of a school. Yeah. And we started rolling and I was just like, timeout, dudes. So I'm like, fuck this. Like I just took over. I was like, I'm a team sergeant. Like we're doing shit. Right. So at the end of it, it just ended up being like a really awesome training scenario where you know, we weren't shooting live rounds, but we we're dry flowing. These guys are learning. I'm with dudes that are actually still operational. Um, so I just look at it as like, you know, that was just a great experience to be able to, to be around that. And I'm yeah. continuing to work with them. I love being around them. I'm actually shooting a documentary with them, um, over Memorial Day weekend up in Montana. Oh, that's dope. So pretty stoked about that. Uh, and then I, I would say the next, um, the next, you know, individual or family is, um, Kobe Cochran from Uncana. So I worked for, I ended up working for him for a while. Um, was that again? But him. What's that? Who was who that again? Kobe Cochran. He owns okay. on Canada. He's a former uh, one seven five guy. Okay. And, uh, um, but I mean, just him and his wife, uh, the company in general, you know, him being a small business and helping him grow and, and right. uh, him taking me under my wing, his wing and, and showing me kind of the ropes of e-commerce and, uh, ah. and you know, just the business side of the house of things was, was very beneficial uh, and then just being around another guy who's got the same attitude, that same right. like kind of fire, you know, and swagger about him. Um, so I think, like, if I look at all that, and then I can continue to go on with, you know, the cowboys I know and in the horsemanship world, um, outfitting and guiding, um, I've just been really blessed to not only my family and my wife to be able to do what I want to do with my kids and my family, but to everyone I've surrounded myself with, has really helped me transition. I think it's been key for me having a, a successful transition out of the army, right? Um, because you know you you need that. You know I, I think people don't understand how much of a support system you really need, and and sometimes just whether it's just not doing something by yourself, right? Like I going preach for that a all the time with yeah. a buddy or whatever. Like it, it, you know, it means a lot, and and you don't realize like how readily accessible right. your friends are when you're in the army. And then when you're not in the army, you're like, damn, like no one wants to kick it. No shit, no one wants to kick it because it's just how it goes. Like you right. live in a different place, or they're work, they're they're trying to train up for this deployment or yeah. whatever, and they're still in the grind, dealing with the bullshit. And I'm over here just fucking using CBD and getting high every night, smoking hella weed, doing whatever I want. And they're like, fuck, like that's like, how Jeremiah's i was over here just living it. Like that's how I,
0: that's how I feel now, bro. Like like you know what I'm saying? I'm getting out. Um, you know, like everybody that I came here with to Swick is already left and gone back to their group. Yeah. But, um, I'm not going to mention his name cause he's still, in, but you know him in Williamson. I'll let you know who he is after a- afterwards, but he's my best friend and he's deployed and I'm like, yo man, let's go hang out. But he's busy with work. He's got work to do. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, yeah, let's go hang out. He's like, yo, I got work, man. Like I got shit to do. And you know what I mean? But yeah, man, it's, it's, that's, that's the part that gets me uh, a little bit nervous. You know what I'm saying? Is, is, is because I'm moving back to Minnesota and and, and there isn't that there is nobody there. Like there's no military, yeah. like, you know what I mean? So like that, that, that part has got me a little nervous, man, but yeah, man, Ugh, bro. I
1: think you just, I think if you find something to uh occupy time with, this podcast that is what it's going to do. That's, <laughs> key. that's key. No, for sure. That's key. Yeah. I think like like-minded people, Yeah. you know, that, that kind of understand you, Right. but right. not necessarily when I say like-minded, I don't mean like, exactly like you because you want to have that like conflict of ideas thrown at you you know um and then the other thing i think like for me personally is like just doing hard shit like i have to do things that push my body and my mind because that's when i get like you know and and just nature in general man like if i go like a week or two without being in the mountains like skiing or on horse or something like i start to like get this like anxious like aggressiveness like start feeling weird so um nature has been the fucking awesome you know key component um and then the other thing i like talk about with dudes well my transition and and i get it it's not for everybody but like cbd and marijuana has changed my life man um i i don't take any medicine i'm 100 disabled most of that's like brain trauma and frostbite right um like nerve damage stuff but yeah but i um I started taking CBD um, like when I started terminal leave and before I even was done with terminal leave, I was off all my meds. My headaches were so bad at one point. Like I literally had to have a sleeping bag in the back of my truck. Cause like yeah. I couldn't make it home from work sometimes. I call my wife and be like, Hey, I'm not, I, I my fucking head's pounding. I, had to, I have to lay down. So now like fast forward, like a year and a half later, like I haven't had a migraine in like a year. Like I'm I don't, I don't taking any meds. Right. So, and then the marijuana side of it, it's like, like just relaxing at night, like not having stress, not right. letting, like, you know, because I think like also when you have kids, you, my switch is so fast. Like I'm stopping fast. That's about all I have. Yeah. And I think a lot of guys that have a type personality that were special operations guys or just, you know, military in general, like you have that type of switch and it's hard not to like yell at your kid the in a way that like. It might not. It might just for you. You're like you're so used to getting over things, forgetting. Yeah. Or you can yell at your kid in a way, and then you know now they got their tail between their legs or a little yeah. cow a little bitch because you you fucked them up. You yeah, know like yep. you did facts, that. Facts. Facts. So I think that like for me understanding that and just having the ability to sometimes man I have a day and I'm like I'm like I'm going outside. I got to go talk to this man about Rogar vests and flashlights and other safety shit. You know I got to have a safety meeting. Right. Out back. I'll be back, guys so like you know sometimes I think that that's what marijuana has done for me uh, and then the edibles part the pain management sleep yeah, and pain <clears throat> management um, I was sleeping five to six nights on the floor every night for the past probably three four years really and uh, I don't I haven't slept on the floor in probably a year
0: Jeez. yeah yeah man um, so I got prescribed THC last year yeah and mirinol uh, and bro. It game changer. changed, changed, changed my and life.
1: It's crazy that like, here's the thing. And that's one thing that Kobe is like from Montana is a huge advocate for mental health is that like you take, and because this happened to him, you know, and I, I don't want to take away his story. Right. Right. But you, you take these medications they give you and usually starts out with some kind of pain management medication. Yep. Yep. And then what that does is it trans, it trans, it, it, it changes your brain. Right. And then you start to take something else because you're like, hey, doc, I'm my I'm fucked up for whatever reason. I'm angry all the time, or I'm I don't have any feeling, I don't have any emotion, whatever it is. And then you take these um, other medication that basically change the chemical makeup of your brain. Right. And then you're not the same person. So when we look at veteran suicide, when we look at the guys we know that have killed themselves, it's like you you look at it as a rational perspective. And you're like, man, this guy had a wife and kids. He was a warrior. He was such a good team sergeant or this, that, and the other. And like everyone loved him. And he blew his head off. And you're like, yeah, because he has a fucking broken brain. Exactly. And look at the shit he's on.
0: Exactly. You know?
1: Um, and then like op tempo and the military in general has some stuff to do with that. And we, we can talk about that later. But, yeah. But uh, you know, so for me, that's where like CBD and marijuana has just been so key. Because it's like, I want to put natural substances in my body before I put chemicals in my body that change my, the the makeup of my brain. Right. Um, And I've just seen it from guys. I've just, you know, you you look at the pharmaceuticals guys are prescribed that commit suicide. Yeah. I mean, I'm willing to bet, like I I put money on it, that there's not one fucking, especially in the sock community, a dude who fucking killed himself that ain't on medication.
0: Oh, for sure. I I put money, I put money on that shit. Oh, I'm with you on that for sure. Bet. um, it's, yeah. Like at the time, man, I was taking nine, 10 meds, maybe. Uh, different pills a day, and I was just like, and I realized, and, and you know, I I, I I honestly pride myself on being, you know, very uh, strong-minded, you know what I'm saying, and I noticed the pills were changing me. Like, I noticed the yeah. medication changing me, and like, I I, got, I was taking so many different ones, and it was just, you know, although they 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 checked to make sure none of them, you know what I'm saying, fuck with each other, yeah. it was changing me. Things were happening to me that I was like, I need to get off these meds. I literally went was like, yo, y- y'all gotta like, figure something yeah. out. Like, I gotta get off I of these. Like-
1: it's crazy. Cause like, just as Americans, you know, we're just indoctrinated into medication yeah, and, and, and not taking care of our body. you can look at like the COVID pan, pandemic, the fake pandemic, right? Like right. where it's like, okay, so you're telling me if I'm not fat as fuck or have some other issue, you know, or if I wasn't born with like a heart defect or something like those people are out there. Right. And like, right. that exists is dangerous to them. Right. But for the majority of people, it's like, so you're telling me if I'm normal, I'm good. Like right. yeah, we don't talk about that. We're the fucking we're the fucking country that has you know if you have a skin rash, take this. Yeah, have fucking man. commercials about all this bullshit at the very end. It's like oh, may cause fucking blah 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 death. It's like the last one, you know. And you're like, what the fuck? But it's just weird that we could just like we're just so indoctrined in yeah. taking 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 medicines that it's just normal to us. So I think that like, and we're also looking at you know a trillion dollar industry. Uh, when you look, like I'm prescribed 22 different medications by the VA. Right. So we take, if, if, the, if the veteran population is 1% of the population, but every one of those 1% is prescribed some kind of medication, that's guaranteed billions of dollars a year. Oh,
2: for sure. The big farm. Yeah.
1: Guaranteed billions of dollars a year. And people are like 1%, but I'm like, yeah, but that 1%. I think how high that number is. Yeah. I think how much insurance charges and what the VA has to pay and what the government pays. And then you look at, you know, let, let's take, let's take one medication, take Gabby Penton, for instance, right. how many fucking veterans are on Gabby pin? Cause that's, it seems like the fucking Skittles for everything. It's like the new Motrin. <laughs> right. For all you guys who aren't out yet, you thought all they gave you in the army was motrin. As soon as you go to the VA, it's Gabby Penton's replaced with fucking Motrin.
0: Oh, I did not but know that. Like,
1: but it's like, why are we just prescribing this at will to fucking people? Yeah. You know, like, and then you look at, like I said, you look at that dollar amount. So not to be like conspiracy theorists or whatever, but that's just, how I look, I'm like, look, man, our country is so indoctrinated into taking medications that anything you can do to change your body for the better, that doesn't require medication. You have to do it. You know, like yeah. you need to eat, right? Like guys are getting out, like you need to eat, right? You need to work out. You need to do yoga. You need to do sauna. You need to, all the things that, you know, that works that's out there that's proven other ways besides putting a pill in your mouth and swallowing it do it do everything you fucking can before you take a pill or or do that you know that's
0: that's facts man um when i get out man so i've been doing a lot a lot of research i I got books (laughs) books that i'm that i'm reading man um so as soon as i get out um you know Dan's gonna come with me by the way we're gonna nice. take we're gonna get an RV man and I'm gonna um do a uh uh DMT in in a ayahuasca uh nice. resort you know what I mean yeah, uh, yeah. or a retreat they call them right yep. um so mm-hmm. like I've been doing so much research man and, and like it, it it changes it changes like your mind and like you know what I mean mm-hmm. um yeah and and you know I still gotta find the places but Sedona's a, Sedona, Arizona, I heard that they have like, you know what I'm saying? A whole bunch out there. And I'm planning on doing that stuff when I get out, probably even taking a trip down to South America to go do ayahuasca down there, let me,
1: let me know when you do that too. Cause we can throw, we can go to the res and we can do like a sweat and we can do some How other was, stuff too. That's not just uh ayahuasca driven, but we can, you can definitely tap in a hallucinant gins and we're, DMT. We're going to talk about that. Sweat sweat lodge.
0: Yeah. yeah. I plan on, I plan on uh doing like a little mini, uh, I don't wanna say documentary, but like record the whole yeah, like document it. Yeah, document yeah, yeah. the whole thing. So I'm actually gonna bring somebody to actually record the whole fucking yeah. thing and make a-
1: Yeah, I've got some uh, some guys out here, um, special operations guys I know that have been doing the, the ketamine um, therapy. I've heard about and, that. And they say it's, it works pretty good. Um, that like they, the that microdosing they and had stuff had like that? Or success on it. I think with just ketamine, and I, I haven't done any of that stuff. Yeah, right, right. I think with ketamine, you do um, you need like, do you have to re-engage? Yeah. Um, uh, whereas like I've known guys who've done the ayahuasca and like the mushroom trips and stuff like that. And they've had like kind of one, one and done, you know, and and I don't know how long it lasts, oh. but I'm talking, you know, two yeah, years yeah. ago, they did a one and done trip. And they've been a different person ever since, you know, so.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm just waiting to get out, man, because like I want to do microdosing, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I want to get away from the prescription stuff and you know what I mean? And, and try this route because I, I, I hear the results are just, just phenomenal and amazing, man. Especially for yeah, guys I mean, like there, us. There's
1: a lot to do with like plant medicine. I mean, it's been around for centuries. Of course. I mean, that I think like they're definitely, you know, there's, there's a big stigma with all this drugs and bullshit, you yeah, know, which is yeah. weird. But, and just like I, my wife and I always laugh at it. Cause we're like, especially like the marijuana thing, you know, like it's like, the most successful people I know. And because I live in Colorado and it's 100% legal, it's like everyone in my circle that's super successful. Like they're giant stoners, dude. It doesn't like, doesn't make you a degenerate. you're not going to be in your mom's basement eating Doritos playing call of duty.
2: Right, because right. You
1: smoke a little weed, you know, like that could happen, I guess, but right. you know, like, especially with the military being such a huge alcohol culture. Um, it, it's definitely way different, and and it's not for everybody. I've had some buddies who tried it, and they're like, "Dude, I you know I can't do it. It makes me paranoid or yeah, whatever." Yeah, but, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. So I haven't I haven't smoked yet, man, but I definitely want to get out. But um, you know, it's 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 crazy that you. So something that you said earlier. Now I used to be against marijuana, like I like like because I grew up in, a, in yeah. a I grew up in a home where it's bad, it's drugs, you know. And, I was yeah, like, yeah, and, and that's just true. and that's just the mentality I always had. So. Um, you know, I, I did smoke a couple of times when I was like 16, 16 and 15, but when I got it proposed by my medical doctor, I literally told her, I was like, what? I was like, nah, like, 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 no, yeah. you know what I mean? And she was like, no, 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 like, you know what I'm saying? The small doses, we work you like this. And I was like, it's, but it's THC. Like, I'm like, I'm not cool with that. <clears throat> but when she, but when she, um, but once I started it and I saw the changes, but I think back to the same thing you said earlier where if I would have started smoking marijuana when I was younger, would I be, you know what I'm saying? Would it have benefited me then? Like, because now I'm doing healing from 20 years of fucking damage that's been done. You know what I mean? Right. Where- so,
1: and that's, that's my thing with, with, um, with marijuana that I will tell guys. So like a lot of times it's so, like on my Instagram, I don't really, I think I have like one post, like me smoking a joint, but, um, I'll do it a lot in my story. And I just want to stay like relevant, like not, not relevant, I guess is a bad word. Like, uh like show like the real shit. Like right. I right. eat edibles every night. I do smoke weed. Uh, I'm not going to hide that. You know, like it's yeah. part of me that's made me have a great transition to be in this amazing headspace right now, to be able to have the career I had and now feel the way I feel and right. do things I can do. Like that's, that's a huge part of it, you know? Um. So the thing I'll tell guys though, I have a lot of younger dudes. Like it could just be like replying to a story on my Instagram. They're like, Oh man, I can't wait till I get out. And I'm like, hey, dude. Like, here's the deal. I'm fucking 40 years old. So, like, you need to, your brain needs to be fully developed. Yes. Like, don't smoke weed. Even alcohol. Like, don't go on these benders. I tell my nieces that. Yeah. Don't fucking smoke weed. Yeah. Like, and and until you're at a minimum past like 26 years old, like, let your brain develop. Yeah. And if you're and if you're in your 30s or something, like, still, like, I would advise guys to like try to stay away from it. Now, if you have pain issues and, right, right. and health issues like for it's sure different. like you can you can manage that and mitigate that or some anxiety stuff or whatever but but it's it's definitely a difference between being like a i would say like almost like an alcoholic right like this as going to as be an alcoholic like a guy who needs it to function right like he puts in his coffee and goes to work versus a guy who's like yeah i go i have beers with my homies right like you can shut it off at any time that you want to right now because it does have so much medicinal properties there is a little bit of that too. It's like, yes, you need it in your system all the time, reduce inflammation, like all that stuff. But, uh, I tell guys, I'm like, try the CBD first, try the full spectrum CBD. It's 0.3% THC. Um, you're not going to get high on anything, you know? And if you have a job where you, where you're not worried about a piss test, like try the CBD first, use the marijuana in small doses. If you can until you get a little bit older, you know? Um, and then when you're older, if you're dealing with stuff, like I am and my career is behind me and yes, everything I yes. do now is just kind of like extra fun and the next chapter of life it's not it's not my career you know um per se so yeah yeah i i i try to kind of put it in that perspective for for people it,
0: it, my dad so one thing that i mean obviously you know fathers say a lot uh so, Stuff that resonates with you. But one thing I remember that, that definitely resonates with me, man, is I got caught smoking marijuana, like I said, when I was, like, 16 or some shit. And that was the last time I ever touched it, like, ever. Like, my dad, yeah. my dad beat the fucking living crap out of me, like, literally fisticuffs. Like, like I went back to school with, like, black eyes and shit, man. But it was shortly after that that my dad, you know, he was like, look, man, he was like, like, live your life, get a career, get, you know what I'm saying? Like, accomplish yourself, then do what the fuck you want to do after that. Yeah. He was like, "Yeah, you want to do black tar heroin? <laughs> have a job." Yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? He's like, he's like he's like, "Get your education, do whatever I'm saying, like if you're in the military, go do that, be something, be you know him saying, do something with yourself, do something with your life. Then yeah. later on, then you know what I'm saying, do what you want to do after that. But but make yeah. something of yourself first, you know what I mean? And, and and that was something like now that I see the benefits of it that like I don't hide it. Like you know what I'm saying? I do talk to my dad. I'm like, "I'm going to smoke weed when I get out." Like, you know what I'm saying? Cuz yeah. the, the prescriptions I'm getting now are helping me, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and I, I wouldn't like, I'm not gonna sit there and smoke all day, but you get what I'm saying. I mean, you get what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Like at night, just yeah. to like go to sleep and relax, wind yeah, down and that's stuff a, that's like
1: that. Like, that's how I use it. I basically, I take, um, I use full spectrum CBD. So I take 30 milligrams in the morning, 30 milligrams in the evening, like a vitamin, yeah. like just, regardless, that's, that's what I take. And 60 milligrams is basically the recommended dose, anything over 60 milligrams, you're kind of like, you're just wasting product, but like under that 30 milligrams, I'm really not doing anything. You know, it's not enough.
0: I did not know that. So I use
1: that, that daily, uh, CBD helps with, you know, the anxiety, the, the, just the overall pain inflammation in general is huge in your body. So that reducing inflammation and then, um, Usually, about an hour before the kids go to bed, I'll eat an edible or two edibles. And then once the kids go to bed, you know, I'll step outside and I'll smoke a little bit or whatever. And, but don't get, and don't get, that's about how I use it. But don't get me wrong, I have like sativa Saturdays and shit. Of There's like some days where I'm like, like, I love, like, maybe it's because I'm Indian, I love to fucking drink. So I know I have like an addictive, <laughs> like, personality. <laughs> So, like, day drinking it. was one of the funnest things in my fucking life. Like, living in Savannah, yeah. starting to drink on, like, 11 o'clock yeah, on a Saturday was, like, so much fucking yes. fun. Just, like, walking the streets and, like, you know, so yeah. I, like I, I do like that, you know. So there are times when I'm like, fuck it, Sativa Saturday, bro. Like, I'm just going to smoke right now, and like, hang out with the kids or go here, or go hang out with the homies or whatever I'm doing. But, uh, but yeah, but, I mean, I, I think if you're able to uh, handle it in that manner, then it, then it can be, then it can be uh, definitely beneficial.
0: <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you this as we get ready to wind it down. Me and Bane are coming out there. Yeah. And and, and I'm coming oh, out man. there. I'm going to come out there in the winter to go snowboard just to give you a heads up. Now that I know you live out there, I'm coming out yeah. there, my dude.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's my jam, dude. Like any, anytime you want to come out and get in the mountains, um, I would for love to sure, dude. And then to like, you know, like I said, hunting is always that option. You know, if you want to, if you want to hunt or ride, ride horses or something, man, like we can, that's the one thing I want to together.
0: that is the one thing I want to do, man. I love, love riding horses. Like I, like I love it. Like I love riding horses.
1: Like equine therapy is, um, it's amazing, man. Like it's one of the reasons I did, uh, the grand traverse to raise money for heroes and horses. You know, that program that they're doing veterans, uh, it's 41 days up in Montana and it's basically, um, what is it, know, called? it? It just changes guys' lives. You what know? is it called again? And uh, it's called Heroes and Horses. You... It's ran by Micah Fink. He's a um, retired Navy SEAL, and uh, Chris Bobo, who's a uh, former um, Marine Raider. Right. Um, and they, uh, you know, they take on all veterans. You know, and it doesn't have to be the soft community, but it's just a, a program where they, um, you know, start from the ground up. You know, you do nutrition and PT and. You do these hard events in the mountains on horseback or hiking, and and uh, it's just life changing for some of those guys. And and I always tell like, man, horses horses are just a therapy that's been around for a while, and and uh, just people in general. You know, like my son has autism, and uh, you know he does he does equine therapy, and mm-hmm. it's changed him a bunch. Man, really? I mean, anybody, I, I say all the time, like, if you want to get involved with horses, uh, and anybody listen to podcast reach out to me, hit me in my DMS. Um, most places, a lot of guys are stationed. I have access to ranches and veterans that will just let you come out learn cowboy shit, ride horses, whatever. Like I have some, a bunch in California and and a couple in North Carolina. So, uh, and then, and I'll continue to try to grow that network and, and whatnot, but, and then out here with me too, as well in Colorado or you know, Montana, Wyoming, yeah. that's super easy, but, uh, you know, not as many guys, you know, get out and live, live up there, but, but yeah, shoot, shoot me a message if you guys are interested or whatever, and I can try to, um, reach out to someone in your area, get you involved if you want to do that.
0: Yeah. Um, definitely, man. Y'all better take them up on that. Um, you know, We're gonna set this up for the next episode because we talked about you know I'm saying doing another uh, uh, part of my short um, because you got something coming up um, in the works. I don't know if you can maybe just a little peep. You know I'm saying maybe a little.
1: So um, one of the projects I'm working on right now, and I'm actually going up um, tomorrow to Wyoming. Is um it's a nonprofit called Heroes Harvest. It's uh, out of Fort Bragg, and it's basically you know just a kind of. uh, that side of that is, is a hunting nonprofit trying to get veterans out on hunts or, you know, hunt, hunting education, help you get set up to go hunting. And then the other side of it is we're running a guide course and, uh, it's an all veteran guide course. It's run, um the main instructors in the ranch that we use is the Stetter ranch. And this family is just an amazing, amazing family. They're like three generations of outfitters. Um, Dustin Stetter is kind of a legend in in the, in the, in the sheep world, you know, as far as get harvesting the biggest sheep. Um, and he uses all wilderness. Um, so lots of equine therapy, lots of mountain therapy, lots of just like, it, it's so rewarding for the veterans going through the program. It's more than just. It's very similar to Heroes and Horses. You know, you're you're not just going to come out with a skill set of learning how to pack animals and and work as a wrangler or work as a hunting guide. Um, you just get that whole experience. You know, right. so um, super cool. So we're working on that now. Um, hopefully we can get the funding and everything we need to be able to kick off this summer. Um,
0: are you guys taking then- donations? Um, or yes, how, but, how does
1: that uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not. I'm not tied in enough with Got the it. finance part of it. Um, I will like we we re, re, uh, re uh, readdress this again in a future yep. podcast. I'll be able to get a bunch of information. Um, where guys can go, you know, in their area, their whatever where they're stationed at or whatnot. For sure, or man. Wherever they live, you know. Um, but yeah, all the guys that that are on the on the board and 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 uh, do it are just super enthusiasts about getting guys out in nature, hunting, um, you know, trying to give them something where they can feel that sense of accomplishment like they did in the military, you know, uh, adrenaline as well, you know, with hunting and guiding and stuff. So very cool, very cool program. really excited about it. Um, and then the other thing I'm working on, I'm I'm about a month I would say from, from having my website done and, and everything launched and stuff. But since I've gotten out, uh, I don't talk about it too much because I'm still kind of, uh the program itself is uh is kind of by within through some right uh, government agencies if you will yeah. um but i do uh, a lot of work with uh, human trafficking specifically rescuing kids yeah 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 uh africa a lot of it's in africa in uganda so we rescue kids from sex trafficking and and child mutilation child sacrifice so I'm really trying to get involved on in any reservations and, and some work my mom used to do uh, when she was alive, you know, is trying to change that. And, and a lot of people don't know that the um, how high the missing and murdered indigenous women are, you know, and the, the astronomical amount of, of native women across the country that go missing and, and are murdered. So uh. I'm starting a company um, called war party movement. Will party and war party movement, war party. Yeah. War party movement. And what we're doing is um, through all the nonprofit work I've done, what I've realized is that, and this isn't a knock on millennials or, or younger right. people, but most of my donations, the demographics are forties to, you know, and older that will actually get on the website, click the link, donate 50 bucks, donate 10 bucks, five bucks, whatever. A lot of the millennials like getting something in return. And yeah. then, and, then, and I'm not going to say it's negative, but I've had a lot of success off t-shirt campaigns. I'm actually wearing like a, an RE factor, uh, shirt that they made for, uh, for a uh, Marsock guys. Um, so there's a lot of success in that. So what I'm doing is I'm basically starting an e- e-commerce clothing line, if you will. Yeah. Um, and what I'm going to be able to do with that is kind of double-edged sword is if you have a nonprofit or something you want to donate to. And so instead of starting to go fund me for, um, let's say, let's say you want to go fund me for a guy who has cancer used to be a veteran. He has cancer. He's an 82nd, whatever, you know, whatever, you know, all those stories are out there. You can do a GoFundMe, but sometimes those don't have a success. Yeah. What I'm going to be able to do is my platform is hit me up. We'll come up with a t-shirt design and we'll be able to sell that t-shirt. And I can give you a dollar amount saying, Hey, it's going to cost me $11 per t-shirt. So we sell it for 25. This is what you get. I'll track how many orders you get. And at the end of that run, I'll cut you a check for your, to your nonprofit or to your GoFundMe or whatever it is that you're trying to do. So basically helping guys, um, who don't necessarily have that platform, you know, they don't have to reach out to some fucking bullshit t-shirt company or whatever to try to help them out with that. And then the other side of it is just my own, like, like my own, like what I like history, um, there's a lot of, like, the, the style, I would say, to my art is um, a lot of, like, Western meets pinup girl. So the motto is, uh, yeah, it's like 1940s, like yeah. side of the airplane, tile stuff mixed with Western native culture, uh, cowboy culture. So the motto is um, designed by warriors of the present, inspired by warriors of the past. So you're going to see a lot of stuff from, like, Geronimo, um, Buffalo Soldiers. Right. Famous Indians, famous mountain men, famous, um, just warriors in general through, through history. A lot of it's kind of SF special forces lineage driven, but, um, yeah, it's what we're doing. And, and what I'm going to do is that nonprofit that I work with. Um, uh, and I, I I'll, I'll send you some of the links to yeah. some of the stuff in Africa. Um, but that's going to be the original nonprofit I'm donating, um, proceeds to and then I have some meetings with some Indian reservations up in Crowheart, Wyoming and then up where I'm from in Montana uh, to try to figure out where we can put that money that won't go to you know crooked hand or yeah, you know, yeah. bad actors if you will yep. um, because that that is a touchy space so um, but anyway anybody that supports my company when it does come out and buy something from it uh, I really want them to know that like that money is it, it's not putting rims on my truck, you know, it's, 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 going, to help yeah. Kids. Yeah. it's going to help kids, you know? So, and, and don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, I'm going to, it's a business, right? So I'm going to try to build that business. And of course. the more successful we can make the business, the more money I can donate to, you know, the Navajo reservation yeah. or, or buy skateboards for kids on uh, the Apache res or whatever, whatever it is that we think will, the money will go to. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: I've just, all the work I've done in the nonprofit space, uh, I've been rubbed, the wrong way a few times. Uh, I don't want to knock nonprofits. I don't want people to be scared of nonprofits, but there are a lot of people out there who make a nonprofit. So them and their homies can right go climb rocks or right. go ski or whatever the case is. And, uh, I just want people to know that like the, all the work I've done in the nonprofit space, you know, if, if you, you know me and you can look back at my resume and what i've done in that space then you know have trust in 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 me that where the money is going is going to a good place and it's actually making a difference
0: oh that's dope man bro that's dope as hell man yeah Um, so
1: so the plan is kind of like with the with that company as well as to kind of educate you know for instance like i'm working on a a, a nat love art piece and nat love is kind of like he's kind of framed as like the first black cowboy. Right. So, um, just, just stuff like that, you know, just kind of educating, uh, and then the media behind it will all be kind of tied into that, um, missing murdered indigenous women, um, kind of uh, not necessarily rescuing, but you know, women empowerment kind of,
2: we're
1: all, we're all warriors. We're all in this together, you know? Um, yeah. So
0: it's kind of, kind of what I'm about. Yeah, man. That's dope, bro. And I love it. I yeah, love yeah. it, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And like I said, hopefully we can do some good things with the money and we can, uh, or we will do good things with my But I'm saying hopefully, you know, people like the artwork and people think it's cool and that and we can make a successful business, you know,
0: plug me up, man. And, and, you know, I'll do the same thing and spread the word for you also. You know what I'm saying? Um, um, through the podcast, through the fucking social media and all that shit, man. Um, you know, I'm all about, you know, the whole team winning, you know what I'm saying? The whole team. Yeah, you're sure. uh, yeah. yeah, and then I'll pump out forward. the
1: uh, guide course information. Like of course. I, I'll have a, a, some more in a couple of weeks. I think so that's dope, to, man. To, to, you know, where people can send their uh, applications in, yeah. and things like that, If they're interested in that, you
0: know? I think that's awesome as hell what you're doing, man. Um, You know, later on down, so, like, I've got this huge vision of what I want to end up doing with all this shit, too, you know what I mean? And I'm looking to, yeah. looking to the future, because, like, what I was thinking, you know, like, for me, ever since being in bat, when you go on these... Like they do these little uh, retreats, you know what I'm saying? Either either couple of retreats or not on that. But mm-hmm. what, I, what 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 I what I want to do later on is is do retreats, but for like not really a couple of retreats. But hey, man, like you're going through some shit. Come with the boys. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? Let's go. Oh yeah. Retreat somewhere, whether it be deep sea fishing or whatever, and we fund that. You know what I mean? And that's and, and that's down the road. But that's why I love what you're doing, man. I think that's you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. That's dope.
1: That's, that's definitely an idea. It's I've huge. Been tossing around with uh, one of my buddies, who I'm actually doing the documentary with. He's an officer in uh, three seven five. And uh, one of the ideas of what I would like to be at is have enough property and have enough land, um, not to be like heroes and horses. I don't like I'm like I'm biting from them. Right. Uh, They rescue Mustangs and and do a completely different program. But what I like to do is um, have a facility where I have enough horses that I can, you know, take seven, eight guys out at a time. We can go ride. Yeah. But I would like to um, I would like to open it up to have that facility open it up to the soft community, active duty soft, as well as yeah. veterans. Because one of the things I've noticed about like veteran suicide and, and things that guys talk about is like, you see the problems, right? But if I'm on an ODA right now, regardless of my position, junior Bravo to fucking, to fucking team sergeant, you know, like no one is going to say, Hey, Jeremiah, yeah, you need fucking time out, man. Like, so I would like to try to be involved with some of the active duty side yes. and be able to have a rant somewhere and say, Hey, Hey, you yeah. know, all t- all. Hey, battalion commanders, sergeant majors, group sergeant majors. If you have a guy you're worried about, let him go to my place for two weeks and just be a cowboy. He can fucking yeah. hang out. He can go hike. He can ride horses. He can do whatever yep. he wants. Where it's, where he can we can help them facilitate some of that. You know, maybe they just need a break. I don't. I don't know what. The, I don't know if that's the answer. I don't know if that. I agree. If that is part of it or not, but I think that. When we look back at the guys who killed themselves, especially on active duty, they're all dudes that you're like, Tim Hankins killed himself or Are right, you fucking including right. me. And, and you just look at this guy who's so bubbly and so lively. But then like, as you assess it, you're like, yeah, man, kind of, there are a lot, there are some signs There's there, signs right? are there, right? And maybe, and maybe if we had a little bit more resources and I think the army does. A good job at like identifying what the problem is, but a horrible fucking job at talent management and actually executing programs that work that guys want to be a part of. My man, right now, my if, man if just I, hit I, it on the I, head. If I'm in fifth group right now, yeah, and I just got back from Syria and I'm like, dude, I fucking hate my life. I fucking hate my wife. I fucking blah all this bullshit. If I go tell somebody that, like. Regardless people say that there's no stigma, there's a fucking stigma,
2: dude. Oh, for sure. And you sure. can't
1: just, like, send a dude. Where are you going to send him? What is he going to do? He's going to go talk to the fucking wizard, to some dude who's never been in the military, that doesn't understand him, to tell him to fucking think about his peaceful place and, like, draw this picture, or whatever the <laughs> fuck. And you're like, this is stupid, dude. Like, I don't want to paint boots. Yeah. What the fuck am I doing? Versus a place where we could say, like, hey, doesn't... This isn't negative, it doesn't go in anyone's paperwork. Yeah. It's nothing.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: You get to go up here, you get to get away for two, three weeks. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, you know. So that's where I like to be at, I, Same I know here, there's man. some some stuff there. And uh, so basically kind of a not for profit, for profit cattle, cowboy kind of business that we can self-fund and bring guys in to help them with uh with they're having issues, you know.
0: Damn, bro, that's 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 dope, man. Um, I think that's awesome, man, because it's gonna help that a lot of people. Great. That's
1: like the five year plan, and that's yeah, where the War Party I'm movement with you. is uh, is what we're trying to do with the War Party movement is basically you
0: know,
1: give our donations, pay back to the community awareness for child trafficking, sex trafficking, and then you know pay it forward by eventually yeah. saving that money and being able to purchase enough horses and stuff to be able to accomplish that program
0: that's dope man maybe we can collab one day later on you know 5 five, ten years from now man helping, yeah, man. helping yeah. dudes out man for sure man yeah man that's dope man I appreciate it man I, bro I I honestly appreciate you coming on, man. And, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm this conversation was dope. You, bro, so. I know, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, dude, so. bro, no joke. I'm coming out there just uh, yeah, like, 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 like for real, for real, man. I'm coming out there, man. Um, yeah, man. So I appreciate you coming on, bro. Hey man, y'all, uh, y'all heard it, man. My dude was dropping a lot of good fucking knowledge out here, man. Just some serious fucking gems out here. Um, where can everybody, where can anybody, where can everybody reach you, man? You know what I'm saying? Everybody's listening to this right now that, 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 uh, wants to check you out, uh, wants to get in contact with you, you know what I mean? Like how can they do that?
1: Um, uh, so my Instagram handle is Jeremiah underscore blackbeard. Um, you can me up anytime on DMS, um, or whatever should be me a message. Uh, I try to answer all of them. I don't have like a giant following by any means. So it's pretty easy.
0: Yeah. But, uh, I
1: reach out to anybody who reaches out to me. Um, yeah, hit me up, check me out. Um, be on the lookout for war party movement. Uh, also check out, um, heroes of harvest. They have an Instagram page as well. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of information that they'll drop on heroes of harvest, whether it's upcoming hunts or applications for the guide course, things like that. So
0: is it just heroes harvest or is it like, uh, uh, I have to pull it up. I think okay. it's heroes
1: underscore harvest. If I'm not mistaken. All
0: right. Either way, guys, I'll put all that into the uh, description of this uh, episode. Um, I'll put all his contacts in there. Plus the heroes harvest uh, tag. Once I uh, make sure the right one on there, I'll go ahead and put all that stuff down, down in the description. Um, again man I honestly appreciate you man hey y'all go follow him go give him a follow check him out uh, hit him up with any questions y'all got regarding all this stuff man um, I know I'm gonna be talking to him a lot more and we're and you're coming back you're coming back again for another episode we're just gonna uh, oh, yeah you know what I'm saying as things progress for you here um, in that next step and we'll get you back and we'll talk about that next thing uh, so yeah man I appreciate it man I appreciate you coming on I appreciate y'all tuning in um, unless you got any uh, final words man you wanna leave anybody with final words for anything
1: um, wisdom. yeah, man. What's uh, advice? Wisdom? Yeah. Uh, something I always try to tell guys, young guys, and is, uh, no one cares what you've done in the past. This is about what you're doing right now. So you could have won the medal of honor in fucking Ranger Battalion, But if you're a shitty first sergeant right now in the 82nd, you're just a shitty first sergeant in the 82nd, man. Yeah. So if you, if you take that analogy forward, self-assess, Hopefully some of my stories were able to, you can kind of put yourself in those situations or, or, or similar situations you've had in your life, but no one cares what you've done, man. That's what we're doing right now. And just stay positive, surround yourself with positive people. And uh, yeah. Man. so that that's what I'm about. And uh, if you have any, if you ever want to talk or reach out, hit me up. Regardless, doesn't matter. You can always hit me up.
0: For sure, man. Y'all heard it, man. Thank you guys. Uh, Wilbur, hang on one second. Okay. Appreciate y'all. Yeah, man. <sighs>